So I think the key to the continuation of our gifts, number one, is saying yes. Because if there's a desire, if there is a yes in your heart, this means, okay, I think I can do this. You study or you do go to take a class or just use the skill that you have and allow God to turn that a gift into a means to help others and give him glory. Welcome to the Christian Music Archive podcast, conversations about Christ, community, and music. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I am privileged to chat with a musical guest who is listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and Hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. I'm pretty excited to share some news with you this week. The Christian Music Archive podcast has just been added to the new release today podcast network. NRT is launching their new podcast network in April, and I'm super honored to have our little podcast as part of their new platform. So for those of you who are listening for the first time because of this relationship, welcome. For today's podcast, I'm chatting with Babby Mason. Babby is a singer and songwriter who's been making music since the early 80s. And today we're talking about God's gifts and how we can use those gifts to make them better. Whether songwriting or cooking or mentoring, God's gifts can be improved through what Babby calls inspiration and perspiration. Well, we're going to get to our interview in just a minute, but before we go there, I've got Doug Hoffman, Executive Director for Mercy Inc. in the studio today. And today we're going to talk about something that they're doing in Africa called Shalom Africa. So tell us what Shalom Africa is all about. So Shalom Africa is, is a program that Mercy Inc. Is, is a partner with. We're partnering with the Empowering Lives International, One Mission Society, and we're including two different things in there. One is bridge to reading. Okay. We're going into a village, small village, disadvantaged village, okay, that we have relationships with, or generally they are on the edge, right, of being a Muslim or a Christian village, and oftentimes they're intermixed. We're there. We're teaching them literacy, how to read and write. We're teaching them agriculture through Empowering Lives International, and then we're teaching them about Jesus and about the Bible and, and discipleship with a program called Village Church Plant, which is part of One Mission Society. Okay. So we're taking a, a holistic approach to change the economics, change the self-worth as they can learn to read and write, yeah. and to change their spiritual being. Uh, this is a new program getting started. Currently right now we're in Kenya, we're doing a, a project in Togo, and we're working on one in the DRC and Uganda. So if somebody wanted to get involved in the Shalom Africa, how would they do that? To get involved in there, go to our, our website, www.mercycompassion.org. Uh, you, can, you can scroll down, you can see, see the project on the website, but also hit the donate button. Uh, you can donate funds to us. Uh, just indicate in the box there that it's, it's for the Shalom Africa project. And if you want to get involved deeper, if you want to serve in some way, you want to go on a trip, uh, or just want to pray for us, just indicate that in that little information box, and we'll get back with you, and we'd love to have you participate with us in changing lives in Africa. Boy, the more I hear about Mercy, the more excited I am, and this Shalom Africa initiative is just amazing. They do evangelism, church planting, 
Bible training. They're teaching basic math and writing skills, mentoring agricultural businesses, doing well drilling and disaster relief. Oh my gosh, these guys are doing amazing things. To learn more about why the Christian Music Archive is involved with Mercy, Inc., go to our website, christianmusicarchive.com slash mercy. And I hope while you're there, you might decide you could be involved in helping Mercy, Inc. as well. Babby Mason has been making music since the early 80s. She was discovered at a music conference in the mid-80s, but like so many discovery stories, there was a lot of hard work and study that went into her, quote, discovery. I love talking to people who have been successful in their craft and who have turned to sharing that success by training and mentoring others. Babby has done that in spades, from being a middle school teacher to writing books and coaching new artists. Babby uses her gifts to make sure those around her can use their gifts to the fullest. So for me, it is a real delight to introduce to you Babby Mason. Welcome to the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. As I was preparing for this interview, I, I've known you as a vocalist, as a songwriter and a singer, and but my gosh, you're author, teacher, coach, mentor. <laughs> what what haven't you done? This is what I know. This this is my discovery is that there's no end to our potential. Um, Ephesians 3.20 has become my new celebration of the endless gifts and talents that that not only that I have, but you have, that we all have. Um, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. Yeah. And so, you know, listen, when I first started singing as a professional recording artist, um, or, or let me, let me even back up prior to that, because I taught middle high school music for a number of years. Bless you. Yeah. Thank you. Please. I know there, there are <laughs> numerous stars in my crown. Um, I call it, I call it mental high school and that is no joke. That's for real. Uh, but, but right? I actually yeah. loved teaching middle high school. I love teaching school. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it is still even today a part of my calling, but, um, when I first entered into teaching and, and then I quit my job as a school teacher uh, and went into ministry as a full-time uh, um, calling and vocation, I was not a, a songwriter per se. Songwriter, hmm. Songwriting was a gift that I was, you know, that, uh, um, it was a craft that I was introduced to. You know, I sat in on a, I okay. sat in on a songwriting workshop and the lights came on. Oh, I think I could do that. Uh -huh. And I studied the art and the craft of songwriting. I began to co-write and I developed the gift and the craft. And 36 years later, I'm still writing, you know, songs and teaching other people to do that. Um, yeah. I, I got a phone call from a publisher one day and said, Hey, you know, we were in a meeting this morning, your name came up. We were starting this line of books called Christians living life. Um, will you write a book for us? That's how I discovered, okay, I love to write. I love words. I love encouraging people. Yeah, let's write this book. Yeah. Um, somebody said, hey, I see that you write songs. Will you teach me? Uh, yeah. So I think the key to, you know, the, the continuation of our gifts, number one, is saying yes. I, I think that's the mm, first step. Yeah. Say yes. And, and then because if there's a desire, if there is a yes in your heart, this means, okay, I think I can do this. You study or you do go to take a class or just use the skill that you have and allow God to turn that a gift into 
a means to help others and give him glory. And here yeah. I am in after 36 years of ministry, still discovering new and exciting things about the things that I can do. Isn't that great? Oh, that's fun. That's fun. I was in a conversation with somebody recently. They said, you know, we are created in God's image and God is a creative God. Therefore, I'm creative, yes. which as an accountant, you don't want an, a creative accountant, but you know, uh, <laughs> I think we call that Enron. <laughs> Very good. I think the fact that God gives us things that are outside of what we think we can do, it's more us putting limitations on ourselves than what God is saying, hey, let me, let me do this amazing work through you. Yes, yes. I did a word study on the words that are used in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who okay. is uh, able to do exceeding abundantly above uh -huh. all. And, oh, it's amazing. When you think all of that creativity, that all the, the uh, there's a passage in, um, I believe it's Romans chapter 8, forgive me for not knowing the actual verse, but I think it's in Romans chapter 8. I know it's in the New Testament, and I believe it's one of the books of Paul <laughs> that says yeah. the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if the same spirit mm -hmm. that raised Christ from the dead be in you, he will quick he wow. will quicken your mortal body. So so the same yeah. spirit that rate the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Yeah. That yeah. is an amazing thought. And it just lets yeah. me know that if there's no end to God's creativity. And all of that creativity and power rests on the inside of me, then there's no end to the things that I can accomplish for his, for his glory and for my joy and the blessings of others. Yeah. Well, let's start back at the beginning or your beginning. You start, you grew up as a preacher's yes. kid. And if I read correctly, five generations yes. of preachers, yes. is that right? Yeah, so it's kind of ingrained yes, in it's, you. Yes, I think it's in our DNA. <laughs> yeah, so talk about how you discovered that you had this gift of music and that that was how God was kind of leading you down the path of ministry. You know, I think it was it was just born in me. Um, I think, you know, God preset it and pre and designed it so that I would be a musician. However, my parents fostered it. They, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they trained me and, and my mom saw my mom who was a beautiful singer. She's in heaven with the Lord now, but my mother was a wonderful singer. She actually recorded twice with me. One of the first devil awards that I won oh, was fun. for a duet that I, that I recorded with my mother stopped by the church. Oh, very cool. So my, so very my mom cool. had a beautiful voice. She, uh, saw the potential in me and very early on in life, got me formal piano lessons um, from a, it, it was sometimes so painful. I had a German piano teacher, Mr. Gustav Strelo. Uh -huh. So just the name of it, just his uh -oh. name strikes fear in me even today. <laughs> Were there rulers and knuckles involved? Thank, oh gosh. Were there rulers and knuckles? <laughs> there, I did have a piano teacher before him, Mrs. Sonobia Toomey, who did use that method. Um, it was not fun. Uh, my mom was a very uh, strict disciplinarian. So I had to practice every day for at least an hour. But there was also my father who was a pastor and our church piano player at the time, uh, she, she and her husband moved away and there was a void there. And even though I could only play in one key because my daddy's church sang everything by ear, they didn't use any printed music. 
<laughs> right. Daddy said to right. me one morning, one Sunday morning, about 15 minutes before the Sunday morning worship service, I was in my patent leather shoes and my white bobby socks. And dad said, and I was nine years of age. And daddy said, Bab, today you're going to play. Oh, wow. And although I could only play in one key by ear, I did the best I could. And that was the, that was a great opportunity. It was on the job training. It was, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, I played for my father's church for almost 20 years. And so it was, I, so I, it was born in me, yet it was fostered in me by my parents, Very developed cool. in me uh, in the church. And then I began to just, you know, with a lot of confidence, get in school choir, uh, musical theater, majored in voice in college, taught middle high school. All of those things, you know, just began to compound and contribute to, you yeah. know, music as a career and then as a ministry. So do you remember that first Sunday when dad said, okay, you're playing and you have 15 minutes to get ready. What emotions were going through you? Well, so you have to understand the nature of black church, you know, Okay. and the nature of my father. I was, pl- I have been playing a little bit in the, in the church prior to that. Okay. I was playing for what we call the junior choir. Right. So, you know, I had a little bit of a, a vocabulary. They, you know, we sang a couple times a season, okay. you know, and I was playing around the house. I was, uh, I remember one time um, in my first grade class, our classroom was directly across the hall from the front office. We had an old upright piano in our, in our big first grade classroom. Okay. My first grade teacher Mrs. Lillian Melvin, she saw the potential in me too. I think this is a sign that when other that this is something that God wants you to do when you're affirmed mm-hmm. and confirmed by others, when they confirm your gifts and talents, pay attention to that. Hmm. You know, so they began to confirm and affirm my gifts and talents. And when she was when she had to run across the hall to do something there in the fr- front office, she would say, "Babby, lead everybody in singing." And I would play huh. little nursery rhymes at the piano and and entertain the first grade classroom. So so it, it wasn't too, it was a big responsibility for a nine-year-old, yeah. but it didn't strike great fear in me because it was like home, you know, mm, being in yeah. daddy's church was like home. I was loved and, and affirmed by, by people. Um, I had practiced a little bit in that position, um, played a little bit at the church. It was a huge responsibility, but they were very patient with me because I could basically only play kind of well in one key and that was right. the key of c yeah no black the, keys. I, no <laughs> black keys involved yeah. Yeah. i can play a c chord an f chord a g chord and a c chord but with a lot of practice and i had i have um uh, even though i learned how to play by music i have a very good ear which you need in the black church at least in my daddy's church because mm-hmm. we played everything by ear i just began to it's kind of like learning to swim okay i got down the you know, I got down the breaststroke. Let me try the side stroke. Let me yeah. let me do the backstroke. Okay, yeah. I got that. And it's you just increase your vocabulary, like speaking a new language. Sure. And sure. um, so it was developed, and and it was sweat. It, I won't say it was sweatless, but it was, <laughs> um, it began to be enjoyable, even though it was a big responsibility. So the reason I asked that question is because then you were provided other opportunities along the way, and it sounds like you have the, still had that support of mom and dad encouraging you, pushing you, teachers encouraging you, pushing you. So it really wasn't a stretch, so to speak, because this was kind of A, God's gifting, and B, you had that encouragement behind you that just said, you've got this. Yes. Um, well, you know, when you're doing things that 
first of all, you, you gain confidence. And I think I caught that. There's some things that are taught, and then there's some things that are caught. Okay. And one of the things that I caught from my parents, particularly from my dad, my dad was such a huge encourager. My daddy was a people builder. Okay. And I think I learned those people building skills from him. And daddy would always encourage us, you know, he, he didn't necessarily all, all the time give us the means or the money, but he gave us the encouragement. We, mm. we were born in a family of entrepreneurs, okay. you know, so by nine o'clock, by nine years of age, I was playing the piano for the church. They paid me, you know, $8 a week. Now in 1960 something, you know, playing the piano for eight, eight, nine dollars a week for, for a nine-year-old, 36 dollars a you month. You were rolling in it. <laughs> okay. I was rolling. I was rolling in the deep, baby. <laughs> I bought my first bicycle. Um, so, you know, we learned how to be entrepreneurs very, mm -hmm. very early in life. So daddy instilled in us, look, you can do it. Uh, go do it. Go yeah. to it. You'll figure out how to do it. He gave us the opportunity to do it. Um, and the next thing I know, I was playing for three church choirs, three wow. choir rehearsals a week while, you know, graduating with almost a 4.0 average. Impressive. You know, so we just did it. Yeah. So you went on, you got into choir, you were singing in school, you went in teaching. How did you get discovered by Word Records, which is where you ultimately signed your first contract, right? Yes. Yeah. That was back in what, 88? That was back. I, uh, I signed with Word in 1990. 8990. Okay. 90. okay. Yeah. So I um I quit my job as a school teacher because uh singing music ministry began to encroach upon my day job. Mm, yeah. And I yeah, and I found myself, you know, when I first started in music ministry, I was I was still teaching school mm -hmm. and raising a family and and involved in, you know, my kids' lives and baseball and music lessons. They're very musical and very athletic. My husband was a coach and but music ministry began to be um uh, on Sunday nights, I found myself a little further away from home. Mm. You know, when we mm -hmm. first started in music ministry, I'd sing maybe in my little town or then on the other side of the county and then on the other side of the city, then the other side of the state. Yeah. And then I'd be in Florida or Tennessee or North Carolina. And it started to be a little more of a challenge to get to drive all, you know, three or four hours and then get up on Monday morning, get the kids <laughs> ready for school, get to work. Yeah, that began to be a real challenge. And then we started having a family. Yeah. And that was a real challenge. And so um, I quit my job in 84. And then a friend of mine who was a co-writer buddy of mine, she heard about this music seminar out in the Rockies called the Christian Artist Music Seminar in the Rockies. Yes. You familiar with it? Yes, very much so. Yes. Started uh, by Cam Floria. Right. And yeah. And so my husband and I drove all the way out there funny story. I knew that this was a God thing because I got a Shell gas credit card just prior to going, driving out there. We <laughs> said, this is God. We'll charge all of our gas. We'll, we'll use our money for incidentals, meals, and things like that. Yeah. Little did, this was long before the internet. Right. Uh, uh, little did we know there are no Shell, there were no Shell gas stations west oh. of St. Louis. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we didn't know, <laughs> we didn't know what trouble we were that lay ahead for us. Right. But uh, we had to dig deep in our finances, which mean, which means we ate a little bit more cheese and crackers, a little yep. bit more peanut butter and bologna, you know, through the week. <laughs> yeah. But that was when I got, um, I went out there and I competed 
in the vocal competition and the songwriting competition. I came in third in the vocal competition and I came and I didn't do so well in the vote in the songwriting competition mm. that first year. Oh, interesting. But I sat in on some songwriting classes and that's when the lights came on and I started uh -huh. to write. Yeah. The very first song that I wrote after that conference is a song that really is a signature song for me called All Rise. All Rise, All Rise To stand before the throne In the presence of the Singing holy, 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 worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was and is and is to come. He is the great I am. And I went back the next year. I entered All Rise in the songwriting competition. It won first place in the songwriting division. I entered into the vocal competition and won first place in the vocal competition. And that began to get the attention of the labels yeah, and, yeah. Pub and publishers. And that was in 1985 okay. that I won the awards. So, so the, the attention, they didn't come immediately knocking on my door, yeah. but what began to open the door was songwriting. I started writing songs and co-writing and, and it was back in the day when we were, my friend Donna Douglas and I, we were very assertive. We began to go to workshops and go to Nashville and have, you know, get, get the audience of publishers and pitch our music and do demos. And we, we took, I took a real active part in the, I think in the success, you know, of my career. I didn't just yeah. wait for them to come knocking at my door. Cause look, I, I had quit my job by this time. And it was like, <laughs> Hey, this is do or die. You better make this work. You had enough peanut butter and crackers. You got to make sure you're doing something, right? <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. Well, by so by 1988, 89, 90, uh, record companies began to um, entertain conversations, and it was always my dream to record for Word Records because uh, Andre Crouch, my two favorite artists, Andre Crouch and Danny Bell Hall, oh, yes. recorded for for Light Records, which were either distributed by or subsidiaries yeah. of word records so yeah. it was always a dream to record for word and that dream came true when i signed with them in 1989 very fun very fun well what i heard you saying is you had this kind of sense that this is where god was calling you to do but it wasn't just like here's the here's the package go for it you had to work you had to practice you had to hone your skill hone your craft and i think that that's something that we a lot well a lot of this generation doesn't think about the fact that there's a lot of work that has to go into following what God's calling you to do. Yes, most definitely. And that's, um, that hasn't changed, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that, what you just explained, I think is, um, something that I've, that I teach, you know, I teach songwriting at the college level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I teach at Lee university in Cleveland, Tennessee. I teach at LaGrange college in LaGrange, Georgia. And I, teach at my alma mater, Spring Arbor University in Spring uh, Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what I teach my students is that the destiny or the destination of your career or your ministry is determined by 
Yes, inspiration. God mm-hmm. can just open up the heavens and, and sing a song in your spirit and you just catch it. And it's almost like you're taking dictation. Mm-hmm. And that does happen. But then other days, it depends on your perspiration. Mm-hmm. So there's inspiration and perspiration, meaning God at work, but you have to be at work too. You have to develop your skill. Sometimes that takes, you know, means going to a conference. Now in the days of COVID, um, that means you got to d- do it online. Mm-hmm. Listen, um, I hope maybe I hope I can tell you a little bit about our music conference called The Inner Circle. Yeah, let's we do. always we always have upcoming up and coming workshops. You can get information on Babby Mason's Inner Circle at my website at babby.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at Babby Mason, Facebook at Babby Mason Radio. So you can it's it's your responsibility to continue to develop your skill because mm-hmm. it's skill that is going to be make the difference between whether you make it or when I say make it, I mean from a from a professional or or commercial standpoint. And when I say commercial, that means do you want to write music that is as good as what you hear on radio? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about radio, terrestrial right. radio, right. television, movies, um, the the internet that that is driven by professional sources. Do you want to write music? that is that good, mm-hmm. then you need to develop your skill. You need, it's like, okay, I got this natural propensity to, to cook, mm-hmm. but if you, re- if you really wanna become a chef, yeah. you have to study your craft. You have to learn how to mix spices and, and use knives and, and vegetables and braise and simmer and whatever that yeah. chefs yeah. do. It's the same with songwriting. It, Yet for some of us, it comes more naturally, but even those who write really, really well still have to study the craft. Where do you find ideas? How do you develop that title? That first line has to be popping so that it gets my uh, my attention. Mm-hmm. You gotta have a consistent rhyme scheme. You have to have great form. You have to know how to write something that's emotional. How do you do that? Well, you gotta practice. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to practice and hone your skill and hone your craft to write songs that are good enough for you to put out there on the internet, impact people, and hey, guess what? You might want to live indoors and maybe help contribute to your rent or put gas in your car. <laughs> if you really want to do this as a living, yeah. then you have to take command of your destiny and study your craft and work and practice. And even the working of it is is it's diff it can be a challenge, but you can quickly see the result of your your work in the, the way your songs perform out there on the internet if you or on the radio or on television. And I'll guarantee you, let me just say this, is that to the degree that your songs are not just good, but great, that's to the degree you'll see the strength of your ministry begin to increase. I guarantee you, I've been in this, I've been in, in the music business, so to speak, and mm-hmm. in ministry 36 years, mm-hmm. 36 years. Yeah. My phone is still ringing. I'm still singing, I'm still writing, I'm teaching, I'm doing women's conferences and speaking and writing books and Bible studies because I think I've been a pretty good student and I I have a pretty good work ethic and I don't mind studying my craft. And I think writing songs that are a result of studying the craft of songwriting, it's made all the difference in the length and the strength Mm -hmm. of my career. 
Well, I think about, you know, a lot of, I've heard a lot of people, in fact, I've gotten demos from people who say, listen to this music. God gave me this song and it's going to be wonderful. And you listen to it and go, eh, yeah, he might not have given it to you for me and for everybody else. Well, see, everybody's baby looks beautiful to her. Every mother's exactly. baby looks beautiful to her. It, it, but we're also given the responsibility to hone that gift. I think, I think the only perfect creator is the creator who can just say, huh, let's make an ocean over there and let's make a person over there. Um, the rest of us, we have to be digging in and working. And I think a lot of times we as Christians say, well, but God blessed it. It's good enough. Oh, that to me is, that makes the hair on the back of my head stand up because God gave you eternity with him from uh, and took you away from a life of sin. How can you say my piddly attempt at doing anything is good enough? We want the mm -hmm. best for our Father. And how do we do the best? We dig in and we do the work, like you're saying. That's right, and yeah. it's and it makes a huge difference. And you know, when you when you get on a national stage, um, let me just make the suggestion that if you're really serious about your career as a singer or a songwriter, I just, I, let me just emphasize, I cannot emphasize this enough, is to go to a, a workshop or to find a publisher or even somebody like me, mm -hmm. because I'm willing, because I'm a teacher, mm -hmm. the Lord has called me to help teach, train, and mentor singers and songwriters. Yeah. You get, get, your, get your work critiqued. Get an honest critique. Get some honest feedback from someone before you spend your money, before you go into the studio and record your music. Get some honest feedback from a, a publisher or a, or a songwriter who's had songs that, that are out there in the marketplace and get a good, honest assessment of where you are. Yeah. And, and then, then take their advice if you trust them and go to work on your music. And that's one of the things that I think we can offer in our music ministry through the, um, through the inner circle mm -hmm. is this. Is, and I have other writers, other publishers and writers who will help critique your music. If you'll just contact me at babby.com, just go to my website, or you can email me straight up babby at babby.com. Yep. And I can help direct you in that area and give you some feedback or find other publishers and writers who can help give you the feedback that's necessary for you to assess where you are. Yeah. And we're going to put all those links into the show notes so that it's easy for people to find you and to find this. So talk a little bit more about The Inner Circle. I also want to get to the last book that you wrote because I think there's some really, really good stuff in there. But talk a little bit about The Inner Circle, kind of what is what is The Inner Circle. Um, if you go to your Facebook page, it is just covered with people who you are mentoring and encouraging and supporting. Um, so tell us, how does this this whole Inner Circle thing, how does your encouragement and mentorship work? What does that look like as a, as a part of your ministry? The, the Inner Circle really is kind of, um, it's an offspring of the workshop that I, that I attended, the Christian Artist okay. Music Seminar in the Rockies. I saw the value in that conference as far as my, my ministry and career is concerned. Uh -huh. I, I know the impact that a conference like that did for me. I know right. what it did for me. And so I host my own conference now and have for 30 years Okay. so that we give the opportunity for people to come. Now, we have held this conference live prior to COVID. Right. We held it live. <laughs> it was an actual two-day gathering. But last year, and we're, we'll do it again this year, it's mm -hmm. all online. So you can attend Babby Mason's Inner Circle 
from the comfort of your own computer in your own home and uh, go online and you register. We'll give you all that information. If you go to my website at babby.com, yep. you're looking for the inner circle. The inner circle is a songwriting workshop that I'll be hosting. I'll share, I'll share knowledge on songwriting, all those ingredients. How do you find a great idea? How do you find a great title? How do you develop your lyric? How do you find a great rhyme scheme? And then I'll also bring in other ingredients of great songwriting. And then I'll bring on some other people, some of my friends who'll help equip you and give you ideas on how to market your music. Mm, yeah. I'll also bring in my personal music attorney who will help you on how to what to do with your songs after you write your song, how do you copyright a song? Mm, yeah. What is ASCAP, BMI, and CSEC? Why do I need to join these organizations? Yeah. We'll talk about marketing and, and even encourage you spiritually. You know, I always deliver an encouraging word at the end of the day. Um, we always have other writers who come on and give their tools and their tips and their techniques. All of that to equip you to be a better songwriter because because of the internet now, we don't have to necessarily go through a gatekeeper anymore. Right. You have access to your audience at the click of a button on a computer. Yeah. Music out there on um, social media and, and CD Baby and iTunes and all these other platforms where you can yeah. promote your music. But, what, but you have to figure out a way to make your music stand out. And the first mm -hmm. thing that makes your music stand out is excellence. Yeah. That's going to be the first thing <laughs> that makes your music stand out among the rest of the average mm -hmm. songs or the poorly written songs or the poorly recorded songs is excellence. Yeah. Writing an excellent song, getting, you know, really good production or, or recorded quality, um, then promotion and social media and all the other things that we need to do mm -hmm. to get the word out about our music. But the first step, is writing a song that has impact. Yeah. And we'll show you how to do that at the inner at the inner circle. Yeah, well let's talk a little bit about um because one of the things for me I'm a preacher's kid as well, uh, born and raised on the mission field. Oh. Um and uh I'm always fascinated by people's story of how their relationship with Jesus became personal. Because for me, I I walked the walk and I talked the talk because that was what I was supposed to do. And it wasn't until I came into a situation, uh, which was a life-changing thing for me, where I realized, God, I need you for me, not just because mom and dad told me to. Do you, did you have an experience like that, that really is when the relationship you had with Jesus really galvanized how you interacted with him, which then obviously spills out into so much of what you do? No doubt. No doubt. I have my own story. Um, growing up as a preacher's kid, being involved in music ministry, church was our life. Mm -hmm. um, our, our, whole, our whole family life was just centered around the church and activities of the church. And of course, my mother and father, they instilled in us that work and that love for the church. Mm -hmm. um, but as I got older, you see, I grew up in Michigan about 70 miles from Detroit. Okay. So even though I was growing up in a preacher's kid, the older I got, the more I decided when I get out of high school, I'm going to get me a teaching degree so I can have quote something to fall back on. But I had my eyes set on being a Motown singer. Mm, yeah. I really wanted to be a Motown singer. Yeah. Not far from the root of that. That's hard to Absolutely. Skip. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I did was 
while I was in college getting my teaching degree, on the weekends, I would sing in bars and clubs. On Fridays and Saturday nights, I'd sing in the local bar and club, hoping that somebody would, would dis- quote, discover me. Right, yeah. And then on Sunday mornings, I'd be back at Daddy's church playing the piano. But I had enough of, I accepted Christ when I was very young and eight years of age. And my life was, you know, just so rooted and grounded in the church. And the Holy Spirit was already in operation in my life. When I would go into a bar or a club, I would be so convicted. Hmm. I would be so convicted. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit that was convicting my heart that I had no business in there. But I, but I didn't really see another recourse because I didn't really want to sing. You know, when I was coming up, it was traditional black gospel music. Mm-hmm. Um, contemporary Christian music was just beginning to emerge. Right. But I didn't really see a whole lot of people in, in contemporary Christian music who look like me. Right. You know, and so, but, but then when I looked at uh, Motown music, there was Aretha. She didn't record for Motown, but she was from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, Martha Reeves and Diana Ross, and then there was uh, Gladys Knight, um, and even Carol King and Nina Simone. These other female artists who wrote their own songs, played the piano. I wanted to be like them. Okay, yeah. So for a couple of years, I tried to make that dream happen, and the Holy Spirit just would not give me peace hanging out in the bar in the club. Then I'd go to church on Sunday morning and I was convicted all over again. Well, long story short, I ended up going to a Christian college, uh, Spring Arbor University in Spring Arbor, Michigan. Right. I got a scholarship to go to school there. Thank the Lord. I ended up going to school there. They, they, um, they affirmed me by giving me a scholarship. And one day I was in the snack bar of the school and I was having a conversation with a friend while trying to eat a um, enjoy a cup of beef vegetable soup. <laughs> okay. And over the, over the course of the conversation, the soup began to grow lukewarm. Mm. And the oil in the soup began to kind of coagulate and kind of mm. settle on the top, forming those orange globules of grease. Yep. And the soup was served in a styrofoam cup with a plastic spoon. And while I was sitting there, my friend had left and I was back trying to stomach the soup when the Holy Spirit said, this is your life. Wow. And I didn't have my Bible open, but I was a Christian. I was full of the word. I was full of Christian service. I mean, you know, church yeah. was my life. Yeah. Um, I had, but I think I had too much of the, too much world for the church and too much church for the world. And I was just, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was just in that place where I was neither, I was restless. Mm-hmm. And when I sat down with that soup and the Holy Spirit showed me that this lukewarm cup of soup was my life, and he reminded me of the book of the Revelation, I believe it's chapter three around verse 14, where it's the, where he says to the church at Laodicea, I know your works, and I know that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, nor cold I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was my, as they say here in the South, that was my come to Jesus meeting. Yeah. And um, I knew the Lord was speaking directly to me, even though I had surrendered, I'd given my life to the Lord as an eight-year-old, I fully surrendered my life to Christ as a high school uh, junior and gave the Lord, sitting right there in the college snack bar, surrendered my life fully to the Lord and gave him my hopes and my dreams. And not long after that, the school uh, had a, um, developed a 
launched rather, or premiered or debuted, yeah. a new group that would launch that year, that would begin that year, a new singing group, a small group of eight me- members that would travel and represent the school and do concerts and mm-hmm. chapels and Christian schools and, and churches. It was a, it's a free Methodist college, singing in free Methodist churches and other uh, churches. I got, a, I got a spot on that team ah. and began to travel with that team all over the Midwest. And that was um, another opportunity to just stretch my wings as a singer, affirming my faith. I think yeah. even more than music, it just began to solidify my faith mm. in Christ as I began to see young people living for the Lord without compromise, Yeah, as well as develop my gifts as a singer. I made my first album when I was in college, when I was a senior. So it was just one of those seasons of tremendous spiritual growth and just solidifying my faith, dedicating my life to the Lord, uh, getting my, my, my wings as somebody in ministry and just yeah. seeing the Lord just begin to open up doors for ministry. Cause it started out outside of my father's church that was training around. But I think the launching pad was college. And that really just began to set me on a course yeah. for, for ministry. Never heard of somebody's testimony, including a lukewarm cup of beef soup. <laughs> that was that, that's my story and i'm sticking to it i i love it god uses all kinds of things to talk to us yes well, he does well you know all along our our conversation today you've talked about um gifts that god has given you and how you've nurtured those uh you've written books you've like like you just mentioned the inner circle and how you're mentoring folks and teaching folks you wrote a book a couple of years ago called Fully Qualified, Maximizing Your God-Given Potential. I'm assuming that's come out of your experience of 36 years of ministry. Talk a little bit about what what your hope is with that book to help folks, because this isn't written necessarily towards singer-songwriters now. This is a broader audience of people to realize what God can use you for and how to make yourself available. Yes. I wrote this book. It's called Fully Qualified. And I've written several books prior to this book, but this is the first, this was my first self-published book. It's mm-hmm. called Fully Qualified. I wrote the book, self-published the book because I wanted to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know how do you self-publish? How do you use platforms and social media to launch a book? So I did it so that I could show others how to do mm-hmm. it. But the book itself you know, it's an amazing thing. When you when you read the word of God, you learn so much. Yeah. It's a, you know, the word of God is a textbook for living. It's not just filled full of thou shalt nots, but right. it's a it's really a textbook for living. Yeah. And so I've always been intrigued by the life of David. Mm. And he he's the consummate musician. Yep. So one day I was studying, um, just reading the book of First Samuel chapter 16. And I read how David was anointed as king and then how his excellent gifts and talents um, opened up the door for him to serve the king. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading the uh, how David's ministry and his opportunity to serve was started, I came to a verse in that chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18. And the story goes that King Saul was having issues with his emotions. A servant under King Saul's employ says, 
why don't we get a musician over here to play for you? And when he plays for you, you will feel better. Yeah. And the king says, yes, that's a good idea. Find me someone. The servant said, well, I know this guy, basically. <laughs> yeah. He says, I know this guy. Yeah. And he says, and then he mentions the qualities that this guy, David, mm -hmm. had. And these are the qualifications. He says, He's a skillful musician. We've been talking about skill for our whole conversation. Right. That's the right. first thing that the servant said about David. Interesting. Yeah. He says he's, he's skillful. He's a brave man. He's a warrior. He speaks well. He's good looking and the Lord is with him. Mm. And when I read those qualifications, I thought, hey, those are the qualifications for any ministry or business. Mm. Yeah. And that's what the book uh, Fully Qualified is about. I take all of those those qualifications. I help us apply those qualifications to our lives, to our gifts, to our talent, while reminding you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. There's yeah. no end to your to your qualifications. If you if you lose a job, guess what? You can get another job. Mm -hmm. If you lose a business, guess what? You can get another business. If you wrote one song and that song didn't work, you can write another song. Yeah. If you're write, writing so many uh, songs and you don't have a publisher, guess what? You can be your own publisher. Mm -hmm. If you don't get a book deal, you can write your own book and become your own publisher. If you, you know, if you work really hard at your gifts and talents and skills, yeah. if you had something that didn't work out, a marriage that didn't work out, or a you lost something, a business, or you lost money. God has given you the potential, which is endless creative energy, uh, endless creative power that is at work on the inside of you to continue to never quit, to never give up, never give out, never give in, never give over your creative energy or power or gifts. You can do all things through Christ yes. who strengthens you. Yes. And that's what the book fully qualified. Jesus has fully qualified us spiritually, creatively. He's already given you the, the, the gifts and the permission. I was reading the other day in um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and it talks about the fact that we are God's masterpiece. We are mm, his masterpiece. Yeah. And he has given us gifts and talents. So he gave you the gifts. He gave you the passion. He gave you the gifts. He gave you the opportunity. Yeah. He gave you the audience. He gave you the inroad. He did it all. Yeah. All you have to do is say, yes, I'll do it. And then equip yourself and he'll help you do it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you, you tied this all to David, because I was just thinking about this the other day when the prophet was told, go anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king, and he goes through and there's all these good-looking, I, I picture jocks and athletes and academics, and and he, yes. Samuel's ready, ah, great, let's do this. No, God says, that's not the one. So at the end of the day, Jesse, do you have any other? Well, there's that scrawny shepherd kid. He's the run to the litter, but we better bring him because God says he's your kid. God already knows what your skills are. He's put them in you. And he is waiting for you to say, like you said, Babby, yes, I'm available. And who knows where God's going to take you because he's got a specific plan for you. And you just have to say yes and be available. And and all of the world said, no, none of those, that, that scrawny kid's not good enough. And what? He's now the person we look back on as one of the key in fact, Jesus's line comes from the line of David, um, this scrawny shepherd kid. So 
Yeah, exactly yes. as you're saying. Exactly as you're saying. I love it. Love you it. may think that you're all tapped out. You may think you're the underdog. Second uh, Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that is faithful to him that he might fully support it. You're the one God is looking for. Mm. You're the one God wants to step up yeah. to the plate and hit the... Listen, it may just be a single or a double, but it's yep. going to help advance the, it's going to be an advancement yeah. for someone. Yeah. Can I tell you this story? Absolutely. Um, a few, a few years ago, this was just a few, uh, just a couple years ago, I was on a trip and uh, I wanted to get some souvenirs for my family. And the store that had all the souvenirs where I wanted to visit was in the middle of a block. There was no crosswalk. Mm-hmm. There was no bridge over the four lane uh like a super, it wasn't an expressway, but it was a real busy street. Yeah. There was no crosswalk. There was no traffic light. There was really no way safely, but to just make haste <laughs> to get across this busy street. Right. I stood on the curb waiting for traffic to die down for several minutes. Finally, the traffic died down. I approached the, the to cross this four lane street with a quickness. As I was in the middle of the street, a guy on a motorcycle came around this blind curve and he was mm. heading straight for me. I saw him bearing down on me and I kicked it into second gear and I ran across the street as fast as I could. I was running so fast that when I got to the other side of the street, I had to put my hand out against the building in order to break my momentum. That was how fast I was running. Mm -hmm. When I came to a stop, I said, wow, I didn't realize I had all of that in me. Uh, I was surprised that I could get that much speed and, and mm-hmm. so quickly. And that began to just, just kind of penetrate into my thinking that the potential was there all the time. It was in me all the time. Yeah. I just had to place a demand on it. Mm. And so this is what we must do. There, the potential is in you. The yeah. ideas, the books, the songs, the movies, the design, the building, the business, the dream. It's in you right now. You have to place a demand on it. You have to take that idea and pray over it and work it. Take the class, take the workshop, go to school, get the mentoring, read the book. Whatever it is that you have to do to make it happen, you have the potential already in you because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is what my Bible tells me. Yep. And yours tells you the same thing. So you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Babby, this is just wonderful. Thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing what's, what God's laid on your heart. I just, it's a breath of fresh air today. And I hope our listeners hear that and feel that too. I hope so. This is the reason why, listen, I love this kind of, you know, this kind of interaction because I think I caught that people building thing, Mm -hmm. you know, from my father. We love to see the best in others. And if we, if in some way, if we can use what we have to bring, you know, to bring out the Mm -hmm. best in somebody else, then that's what we want to do. To me, if if I can help you become a success, then I have become a success. And um, so that, that's what I love to do. Well, one of the things that we love to do is we love to pray for the people who are on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. How can we specifically be praying for you in the weeks and months ahead? 
You can pray that um, I will be effective. You will pray that I will, you know, I think one of the things that I challenge with is because sometimes my motivation, sometimes my, my desire is so strong that I put too much on my plate. Mm. So help pray that, you know, I can manage my time wisely, that I will take time out for myself and my family that, you know, balance has always been a challenge for me, just balancing it all, knowing when to say yes, when to say no, um, because I just want to, I don't want to die empty, you know? I I, I mean, I don't want to die full. Let me me rephrase that. I don't want to die with my gifts and my talents still in me. Yeah. You know? So um, just help me to, just to pace myself, manage my life and my time well. That would be my, my biggest prayer request. A great big thanks to Babby for sharing her story today. If you are interested in being part of her inner circle that we talked about, be sure to head over to her website, babby.com, and click on the Inner Circle link. Her next Inner Circle songwriting conference takes place on April 24th of this year, and if you're an aspiring songwriter, you definitely want to be part of this. Like so many things this past year, the Inner Circle is a virtual conference, and as she says, you can even attend in your pajamas. (laughs) So be sure to check that out. Again, that conference is Saturday, April 24th, 2021, and more information is available at babby.com, and we'll include that link in our show notes. And for those of us who are not songwriters, I appreciate the reminder that the gifts we need to do God's work have already been prepared for us including the amazing power of Jesus in us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things because Christ gives me the power. All we have to do is say yes to God, and he'll release his amazing power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead will be released in our own lives to do his good work. Now, that might mean that we have to study and practice and improve our abilities, But God gives us the strength and power to do just that. So maybe we can pray today, Lord, what do you want me to do? And help me recognize the power you've given. One of the things God might be prompting you to do is to support the great work at Mercy, Inc. I've been sharing about all their great work around the world in the past episodes. Would you be willing to help support the work they are doing by going to christianmusicarchive.com slash mercy? There you can find out how to support both Mercy and the work we are doing through the work of this podcast. Again, go to christianmusicarchive.com slash mercy and consider supporting through the Patreon link. Thanks. We just can't do all of this without you. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com 
I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>